uh, please bow your head and let's, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we humbly beseech you for your continued care, for your love and your blessings. Please be with Ann Skates as she recovers from her broken hand and now also has flu symptoms and has to recover from that as well. Please be with her and with Michael and with Ron and it, as he returns back from the Indonesia trip. Please be with all the other Indonesia team, with Mitchell Moore, with Rich Delano, with Richard Peacock, and with Jim Worth. Help them all to be safe, help their hearts to be strengthened and lifted by your spirit. Father, we lift also to you our wonderful friend, Elaine Dunlap. Whatever is current in her life, please, Father, bring her some peace. Let her know your daily presence in her room, in her life, and let her know that you're walking with her. Father, please be with Monica and Matthew and baby boy Taylor as, they, as the doctors give them wisdom as they bring him into the world. May mother and child be healthy. Dear Lord in heaven, there's a lot of other things on our minds and our hearts today, and you already know them. You already hear those names, you hear those unspoken prayers, and you are listening, Father. Help us to always take everything to you in prayer, to humbly submit to you with patience and love, and wait for your grace and your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray this morning. Amen. I got the fun chapter. It's a good one. And there's lots of little nuggets in there that we're going to dig out together. We're going to be in Daniel chapter 6. And uh, my first volunteer to read is going to read the first five verses. Who's up for that? Rick. Okay. The way we do this is the microphone follows the reader. Okay, so Daniel 6, verse 1 to 5. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps would give account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became distinguished among all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the presidents and the satraps sought to find a ground for complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom. But they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. 
Then these men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel, unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So they determined that the way to attack Daniel was his character was unimpeachable. And so with that, they said, well, we're going to have to trip him up in some other way. Isn't it amazing how evil this scheme was? And Daniel was about to be promoted above. He was one of the three administrators. They called them presidents. And he was going to be above those three and be promoted. And so they came up with this scheme. Uh, first of all, who is Darius? Darius is kind of a mysterious character because there are two lines of thought about who Darius was. One of them is that Darius and King Cyrus were actually the same person. But because of the uh, extent of the Medo-Persian Empire, the second thought is that Darius was a regional king. He had uh, authority over Babylon. And my notes from my mother-in-law in pencil in the margin of my Bible, I, I love getting to read her notes because she has some good ones in there. She taught Sunday school. Um, says that Darius was actually a military person, maybe even a, a general that had been promoted up uh, to be over Babylon. And since I couldn't find any, also Rick's uh, comment was that Daniel had, in my translation it says, exceptional qualities and in pen underneath from the pencil notes, it said excellent spirit, but Rick, your translation actually said excellent spirit. What translation were you reading from? RSV, okay. And, and it says excellent spirit also. And so if you consult your notes, uh, Daniel was prepared by God for moments like this. I put this back up on the board from the last class that we had together uh, that, I, that I was the leader in. And I have one word to add to it, but I'm because I thought about it when I got home. I said, oh no, I missed the most important word. But I'm not going to tell you till the end of class. And so he, Daniel has found a way to not give in to the, so the structure of the administration. What would you think would be the common way of doing business in Babylon with these 120 satraps? When do as the Romans do. Um, I'm thinking that there was a lot of bribery. There was a lot of graft and a lot of corruption. And I can't say that because I found it anywhere. 
uh, just thinking about the way people were doing business. And then I was thinking about Daniel, and Daniel was kind of untouchable because he was, he had separated himself uh, from the impurity of the society that he had been thrust in as a young man. He had courage against compromise. He relied on God, and he also prayed. So if anybody knew how to pray, it was Daniel. The thing that strikes me about this whole setting is none of this happened fast. Daniel spent his whole life in captivity. At Daniel chapter 6, he's 80 years old, and he came as a young man. So he's the sage, the wise, the experienced, He's not going to get tripped up. He'd have plenty of chances to take bribes. He had plenty of chances to be corrupted. And he had avo avoided those all of these years. So from there, we're going to read six more verses. But this is, we'll get into some more subjects, but I have in red on my paper the immutable law of Moses versus the law of the land. And that's where the conflict comes in, is people changing the rules to create a conflict and then using the conflict for their own purpose. This was all contrived. So now we're gonna read chapters six through 12, and there's a lot of repetition in it uh, because it recounts several different ways how many people are involved. And there is also the very beginning of the big lie. Do you remember in Genesis when the serpent talks to Eve and Eve says, oh no, if I eat from the, the tree of life, I will die. And so the first thing the serpent does is he starts with a lie you will surely not die. And so everything is predicated on a lie. And there's a lie coming up and it's, it, it kind of whizzes by you. Who's gonna be my reader for six through 12? Bill, you wanna try it? We're following the microphone today. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, O oh, King Daniel, Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days except to you, O oh king, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, O oh king, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the laws of the next page. Medes and Persians. <laughs> Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. How far do I go? Uh, till 12, please. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. 
Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or man except to you, O king, should be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the laws of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Good. Thank you, Bill. So, where's the lie? It's one word. It's, 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 it's kind of impacted in the, the statement of what they told King Darius. David, where's the lie? It's, uh, it's, it's really right in front of you. All of us have decided. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. All of us had not decided. Daniel wasn't there. Daniel wasn't present when this cabal came running like a bunch of happy puppies to Darius' feet and saying, Oh, King Darius. And so they appealed to his... Uh, his pride, yes, they appeal to his pride, and yes, Nancy. Of course. Well, and it was actually one of the. It was interesting because this differed from uh, Nebuchadnezzar's. Uh, edict that everybody was to go uh, worship the statue because that was permanent. This is only for 30 days. It's because that's all they needed to trip up Daniel. All they needed to do was to get this in place because the effect would be immediate because Daniel was utterly predictable in a faithful way. He was going to go pray three times a day. He was choosing to face Jerusalem, which was not, from my reading, a requirement, but it was also an example of him having his eye on the prize. What is the prize of all of the captives in Babylon? To return home. Seventy uh, Daniel's 80, so for the last 60 years of a 70-year captivity, Daniel has been there in Babylon, and all he's been praying for is for his people to be able to go back to Jerusalem. Everything's predicated on that. There's a saying in business that we all gravitate to the single most prominent and defining thing we have on our mind. Our, our singular goal. And sometimes we'll go off on a tangent, but we're going to come back to, to that goal. If our goal is to close a sale, or if our goal is to ask this beautiful young lady for a date, or if the, whatever the case may be in your life, it becomes your single most prominent dominant thought. And you eat it, you breathe it, you think it because it drives you. It leads you. So Daniel goes back 
immediately goes back to his room. The windows are open. He's not hiding. He's not in a closet. He's right there facing Jerusalem and praying. Yes, Nancy. Oh, yeah. All of those safe traps sure knew it. Yes. And they, they, they had to trip him up by creating a conflict between the secular law and the law of God, uh, of uh, Daniel's God. So, Daniel, at this stage of his life, really represents figuratively Israel in general. He, he is the country. He is the people in bondage in, in this story. And he's also the symbol of hope because he hasn't been corrupted by society. He hasn't fallen in with um, the, the ways of Babylon. He started out right in the very beginning. What was the first thing he did? Oh, I, uh, please let us not eat the f food of the king's table. And at the end of how many days? 10 days? You can judge if we're in, uh, acceptable to the king. So he started immediately praying about that and, and you could even say pushing, pushing for that. Um, in our lesson guide, it says, what is the last responsibility of the believer in Babylon? Does anybody have an idea what that answer might be? Yes, Ellen. Steadfast faith, yes. Reliance on God, dedication to God, effectiveness of prayer. Uh, what I wrote down is to be faithful and to keep praying. Keep praying. Because that is Daniel's instrument of literally of survival. He's praying. He prayed before he had to decipher Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He didn't just run over and do it. You'll notice if you read back, he said, he said, we'll pray about it. And God, our God will send us an answer to that, to that uh, dream. Let's go ahead and go through to where we get to the end and then we can uh, kind of pick up the pieces. Verses 13 to 19, very dramatic. Who will read for me now? How about John? Oh, you can do it. I know you can. Then they answered, then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regardeth not thee, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but makest his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore displeased with himself and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Then these men assembled unto the king and said unto the king, Know, O king, that the law of the Medes and Persians is 
that no decree nor statue which the king established may be changed. Then the king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet. And when the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste under the den of lions. Awesome. Awesome. What does that tell you about Darius now that all of this is starting to transpire? He trusted God to deliver Daniel, but Darius... Yes, Darius was trapped in his own law. The, the 120 satraps and governors had set a trap for their own king, and now they had sprung this trap, and, and Darius was stuck. And I found it both encouraging to read about Darius and how he felt. Who, where was the recrimination? Did he blame the satraps? Did he blame all these 120 mewling little uh, uh, kittens running around his feet? He blamed himself. He blamed himself. And so he, he was self-recriminating. He was frustrated with himself. How did I get myself into this mess? And how many times does that ever happen to us? Oh boy. Most of my worst decisions in life have been because I got impatient and didn't wait. Didn't wait for the answer that I was asking for. Um, yes, exactly. And so Darius knew that he couldn't back out because these 120 wise men, these satraps, the governors, were all going to hold it against him. And he was also not in a very strong position. I don't, you notice that they're not talking about Cyrus. Cyrus the Great, Cyrus the all-powerful king of Persia. They're talking about Darius. And that tells us that underneath everything, Darius is a placeholder and a um, not, does not feel either the strength, the power, or the sovereignty of, of a long-standing king. And so I thought that was, that was kind of interesting. Um, also, if he was a general, which the, the notes suggested, he wasn't used to his subordinates trapping him anyway. That wasn't, the, that wasn't the way things were done. He said, go, and they go. But in this case, they came to him, and they were literally digging his foundation and his power out from under him with his own ego. Yes, Alan. Yes, 
Yes. Aha. Yes. Would you read? Would you say that? Would you read it again, please? Was much distressed and set his mind to deliver Daniel, as opposed to the other versions that say was much distressed with himself. Right. I don't know why ESV. I don't know either. I don't know either. Um, my, mine said he was distressed with himself. Um, Actually, in the NIV, it doesn't say distressed with himself. I apologize, I misquoted. In the uh, NIV, it says he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and make every effort until sundown to save him. So that, that's interesting. Yeah, different, different versions. But the way I read it was that Darius was upset with himself. What have I gotten myself into? Here's my most valued president, one of the three that I was going to promote over everybody. And now he's caught in this trap. What am I going to do? And you'll notice that the 120 set traps are right there back at his feet saying, oh, oh, oh. remember, remember the, the laws of the Medes and the Persians cannot be changed. Where later in the Bible do you see a situation where laws can't be changed? Esther. The book of Esther is very parallel to this because uh, Haman uh, writes a law, uses the king's signet, signet ring, sends it all over the empire uh, that there will be a day of pur, P-U-R, which is a day of uh, conflict when all of the people of Babylon are given permission to attack all of the Jews and take their property. Uh, Esther is very similar. In several cases, you feel the, the wheels of history moving right over to the edge of the cliff. And whether it's Daniel or whether it's Esther, you're going to see that the hands of God are pulling the, the kingdom of Israel back into a solid, solid ground. John, look like you're ready to say something. Okay, all right. Uh, 13 to 19, please. Who will be my reader? Oh, I'm sorry, yes, we did. 20 to 28. Yes, Harold, just a second, coming your way. <clears throat> when he came near to the den of Dan to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths and they could not harm me, inasmuch as I found innocent before him, and also forward to you, O king. I have committed no crime. 
Then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found in him because he had trusted his God. The king then gave orders and they brought those men who had brought the maliciously accused Daniel, they and cast them, their children and their wives, into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed their, all their bones. How far? That's good. We'll do the last three verses uh, in another setting. That's, that's good. That's a good, a good stopping place. So, I think... What is the giveaway about, about Darius and how he felt about Daniel? I'm thinking about... Yes. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. Folks, kings don't hurry. They send someone else to hurry. In the story of the prodigal son, the father sees the prodigal son from far away. And what does he do? He runs to his son. Fathers didn't run either. Not especially not to a prodigal son. So that's where Darius's heart is. Darius is really, I don't want to say a victim because it's hard to make the king the victim, but he is the one that was trapped. He is the one that spends a sleepless night. He's the one who can't eat. He's the one preoccupied with the safety of Daniel. And so when he runs to the lion's den, the first thing he says is, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? So it's not Daniel, did you fight off the lions? It's not Daniel, were you strong enough to survive? It's has your God saved you? And so all through this, this becomes the, the preamble to the fifth kingly admission that the living God of Israel is powerful, is mighty, is wise, and is also gracious. Because whether it was Nebuchadnezzar or 50, 40 years later, when Darius came on, on the scene, they both end up admitting verbally, publicly, that the, the God of Israel the living is the living God. And we'll, we can even double back. I have those marked in my chapters. Um, now, what is different about Nebuchadnezzar, the statue, the order to worship, and throwing Mishael, Excuse me, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's easier for me to remember the Babylonian names. 
into the fiery furnace. When they were brought out and there was no smell of fire even on their clothes, did Nebuchadnezzar throw all of the bad guys that made the law into the fiery furnace? No, Nebuchadnezzar took ownership of that. He's the one who said you're supposed to worship. So he didn't hold anybody else responsible. Nebuchadnezzar was responsible. He understood he was responsible. And that's the difference between the two kings in great degree, I think. Darius is the placeholder. Nebuchadnezzar was the sovereign, I think. And so I'll kind of submit that to you. Um, somebody for me, please look up and read Romans 4.20. Someone else, please look up and read Psalms 2, 1 through 3. Uh, who has Romans 4, 20? Barbara Ann? Two. Romans 4, 20. No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. Isn't that parallel to what uh, the way Daniel lived? That's... Everything was about God and God's glory. And then uh, please pass to Ellen. In Psalms 2, 1 through 3, it, it deals with jealousy. Psalm 2, why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. Right. So this is a very, very common theme um, that uh, back in Psalms, David was talking about, you know, why do the kings plot uh, against uh, your people, oh God? Um, so let's, now let's go back and kind of revisit how this all plays out. Daniel's immediate response to this new edict that is signed by Darius is to do what? He continues his routine and he continues to pray. And that's probably as good a takeaway for us this week. When things are tough, when we are discouraged, when things are against us, um, pray. Uh, recently, we saw a friend from college, and in two months last fall, his significant other of 25 years died of ALS, and within 30 days, his best friend died of a heart attack, and is very easy to put yourself in that position and to wonder what it would be like 
to lose your best friend and your significant other within 30 days. And especially from ALS of all things. That's just as hard a disease as you can imagine. Um, one of the things that the, the uh, commentaries talk about is the parallel between Daniel and his, the lion's den being sealed with the wax seal and the signet ring and someone else in the Bible. Jesus and in the tomb. It, so very similarly. Um, they even say that for Daniel, this was literally a resurrection, um, but from a death sentence, as opposed to being from the dead. Um, we get down to the deliverance of God. Um, someone please look up Daniel 9, verse 2 because it alludes several times in the commentary forward in Daniel to Daniel 9 and then also Romans 8, 38 and 39 and 1 Corinthians 1, 27. And I'm going to, who will be first to tackle that? Let's, let's, do, um, let's do Daniel 9, 2 first. See, John, I'm coming. Hold your fire. Nine two. Nine two, okay. Eight. Daniel nine two. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. So, have, have you ever watched a TV show and you know that there's only 10 minutes left and you know they're going to get out of this mess that they're in somehow? Well, Daniel was watching the clock also. And he knew through prophesy of Jeremiah, prophecy of Jeremiah that he was, they were going to be in captivity for 70 years. And so Daniel knew that, kept hoping and praying and hoping and praying and watching the years go by towards the number 70. Because that's when he knew that there would, there would be an answer and that the, the children of Israel would be able to go home. Now, um, with the deliverance of God, how about Romans 8, 38 and 39? Very fantastic, powerful uh, quotation. Barbara Ann? I love it. It's one of my favorites. <clears throat> For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
Amen. Isn't that great? Now, it's written after Daniel, but it exemplifies Daniel. It really does. 1 Corinthians 1.27, another uh, writing, Garland, another writing from uh, the Apostle Paul. Thank you. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. So, doesn't that say a lot about this whole situation? God is taking all of these 120 wise men, these, these administrators, their families, their children, that they did not realize they had endangered all of them, and he's taken the wisdom of the world and turned it to foolishness. Um, Yes. Yep. He, uh, Darius took retribution on the people that had trapped him. And with Nebuchadnezzar, the, the sovereignty was there. It was his idea to build a statue. It was his idea for everybody to bow down and worship. And when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to do that, they were thrown into the furnace. In this case, the administrative state had trapped the king. And so he took vengeance on them. And it sounds pretty brutal, pretty brutal. Yes, Nancy. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, that was that was the handwriting on the wall with Belshazzar, and um, from from there, uh, Darius hurried. Daniel, servant of the living God, that's Daniel's name as far as Darius is concerned, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you? And Daniel says, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the mouths of the lions, and they have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, O king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted out of the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And then we get down to 25 through 28. And this is number five admission of the sovereignty of God. Um, I'm going to take a tackle at this just so we can keep moving because I don't want to run out of time. 
King Darius wrote all the peoples and nations and men in every language throughout the land. May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. What a great proclamation from a pagan king. He, um, I, that's a good question. Would you consider Darius to be a pagan at this moment? Nancy Rice? There's a difference between recognition and worship. Yes, uh, Darius did not eliminate all of the other little g gods that they worshiped in Babylon at that time. He rest, uh, then he continues, he, meaning the God of Daniel, rescues and saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Silas and the reign, uh, excuse me, Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian.